What is going on, everybody, and welcome to the Monday edition of the Stochastic NHL Strategy Show. I am your host, Josh Harris. We're here on a Monday. There's no football tonight, so GPPs are worth a damn. So here we are. <clears throat> um, joining me, as always, Slim Cliffy. How was your weekend? Good, good weekend. Um, always hate that first weekend after the holidays, start taking down all the decorations and stuff like that. Um, you know, don't have my Christmas tree behind me anymore. That's gone. Uh, no, it's a good weekend. Um, went to see a movie last night. Wasn't really anything that I wanted to watch. I watched the Kings game yesterday afternoon. Can I just say, and I'm going to start here with a little rant. They call up Brand, the Los Angeles calls up Brand Clark, who's probably the top defense prospect in the world. And what do they do? But they scratch Jordan Spence, who was their other top defense prospect and has actually had a pretty good season. It's frustrating because the answer is scratching is probably scratching Mike Anderson. Like he's just not like that. Him and Doughty have been fine, but clearly their third best pair and they can use Gabrikov and Roy in a shutdown role. And then you can put, you know, Clark with Doughty or Spence with Doughty and then put the other one on the third pair with with whomever or scratch England, sorry, and then put them on the third pair with Anderson or something like that. And it's just frustrating because it seems like it obviously it's it's a league wide thing. Like coaches are really hesitant to use young defensemen. And when you see how well a lot of young defensemen are playing this season, Spence is one of them, certainly. Uh Mintukov and Anaheim. Uh, there's a pair of them in Hughes and Nemich. Like these guys are all rookies and all playing extremely well. Give two of them a shot. You know what I mean? Like I just, you know, the Kings actually, they play pretty well. They deserve to win that game. But um, it's just something that frustrates me, especially where like the Kings are going to walk to the playoffs. It's not like they're fighting for their playoff lives or anything like that. Like give it a shot, experiment for a week or two, see how it goes. But uh, coaching decisions, man. If I got angry about all of them, I would have absolutely no hair left. So I'm going to try to save that for as long as I can. So that's why I got none. I just go ranting about random stuff and it falls out. Is his brother a defenseman? I know he was up for the Devils for like a game. Or is he on the... No, yeah. His, his brother plays is a prospect with the Devils. I think he played on Saturday. Is he a defenseman? Or, or is no, he... he's a forward. Yeah. Um, yeah, he played on Saturday with all their injuries, but I think he got sent back down today. Like it was just a quick call up. I don't like. I don't know if he's he's not anywhere as good as Brandt or supposed to be anyway. But you know, hockey's a funny game. Yeah, you never know. Henrik Lundqvist was a seventh round pick. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> gotta get my Rangers stuff in there. He's the Tom Brady of the NHL, but um, it's a crime against humanity that the Rangers didn't get him a cup. But that's neither here nor there. We're here on a Monday for a nice four gamer. This is a fun one because all the team totals are between three and three and a half. There isn't a smash spot where it's like a 4.2 against a 2.3. There's no Sharks. There's no Hawks. There's no Kraken. I like this slate. Yeah, no Columbus. Yeah. Mercifully. Yeah. No Ducks. Potentially, potentially all eight teams on the slate tonight in the playoffs. I mean, Colorado, Boston, Dallas, you know, Rangers, Canucks for sure. But Pittsburgh, Philly, uh, Minnesota might also all get in. Um, all pretty good teams here on the slate tonight one way or another. Yeah. The, the only, like, thing is, like, oh, you know, is Rock Faber a good play? We'll get to that. Don't worry. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. <clears throat> Wild not making. They might if Gustafsson comes back. Gustafsson comes back. 
they, I don't know. I'm I mean, sure. well, they did call up Jesper Wallstedt. We'll see how that goes. The thing is, is like the West isn't that deep. You know what I mean? Like, uh, you know, Minnesota's a, a little ways back, but they're basically not, they're not that far behind teams like St. Louis, Arizona, um, Seattle, especially by points percentage. And like one of those teams is, you know, one of like Nashville, St. Louis, Arizona, Minnesota is getting into the playoffs. So it's just a matter of beating out those other teams. Um, they got to get healthy. I mean, that's number one. They're not going to get there. Spurgeon and Brodeen, you know, missed, you know, two months, two of the next three months or whatever. And, and Kaposov is hurt and et cetera, et cetera. You got to get healthy. Um, if they can get healthy, they can go on a run, but we'll see what happens. Yeah. They need to get Pat Maroon out of the top six. But anyway, as always, thank you guys for the support for the past month. Now that uh, we are doing it this way, this is why we're here today. We make our own schedule if the GPPs are worth a damn. We will be here. And today it's pretty decent for a four gamer. There's no NFL. So I know a bunch of monthly subs are coming up in the next few days. If you want to just, if you are planning to re-up, please go through the affiliate link. It helps us out directly and helps us bring you more free content like this. Yeah. I I literally, my wife literally just did it and my head is on fire for some reason, but you know, she's a nurse, not a barber. (laughs) Let's get into this slate. A banger on the for the first game here. Vancouver Canucks with a three total heading into New York. The Rangers have a three point five total. Big news for Vancouver. The last game they uh, loaded up the top line with Elias Pettersson, J.T. Miller, Brock Besser. They all came in at three percent on the slate too. No one was playing him before. No one was playing him after that combo. Was even lower owned now because they switched up the lines. They have an excellent history together. Now they have a three road total. It's the lowest road total on the slate. But the Rangers have been awful defensively. And if you look at the other Vancouver lines, you're kind of like, well, it's kind of top loaded now. Now, I will say that Dakota Joshua, Connor Garland, Teddy Bluger line has been very, very good. But, like, I don't know how much they're impacting uh, that three total. Oh, I said thank you for cutting my hair. I just said you're a nurse, not a barber. It's really nice. I'm making, I'm making linguine with clam sauce and garlic bread for dinner tonight. Anyway. <laughs> I had way too much sugar and I took a cold shower. So I'm like really amped up right now. Um, What I'm getting at here is if you look at the top stacks, if you're a premium member, right? And you load in the top stacks for all the teams. And you look at these ownership percentages of these top two percentage teams. Vancouver one sticks out like a sore thumb because they're coming in with 1.9% projected ownership. And I know like, Stacking against Igor, they're going into Madison Square Garden, so they're going to get the Fox pairing, yada, 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 yada. This line has historically excellent numbers together. Elias Patterson's not that he had a problem, but, like, the issue he was having was he didn't have any finishers around him on his line. Like, McCabe's a nice player, not a great finisher. Kuzmenko, 
you're the president of the Kuzmenko Sucks fan club, president, CEO, CFO, every position imaginable, Michael Clifford. So, like, this line is as good as it's going to get for Vancouver. I, I like them here tonight. Um, is it an ownership play? Uh, probably. But, like, if they're still coming in close to double digits, I probably still have interest in them. But if they're going to come in around 1.9% projected, and even if it comes up to 5 6 7%, like, I know they're expensive, but this line interests me. The other lines, like, I don't have a ton of interest. Like, if, you, if you're trying to jam, like, a super expensive power play stack, I don't mind, like, the two-man of Garland Joshua. Like, Joshua's a very good playmaker. Like, per I'll, – I'll let you talk about metrics maybe because if I try to do it, I'll, like, trip over myself. But, like, he only plays 13, 14 minutes. If he got top six time, I think he'd be his – I don't know. We'll get into that. But that would be the two-man I'd be looking at. On the Rangers side, it's Rangers two again, right? I know they just lost to the Canadiens, but that wasn't for lack of effort or anything. Sam Montebo had an incredible game, and sometimes you just run into a hot goalie, and it is what it is. Like, Montebo is actually good. Like, I know his numbers might not be great, but it's because the, the Canadiens aren't a very good team. Like, he's an excellent goalie. Sometimes you just run into excellent goalies. Rangers two is the line that interests me. I think you can power play stack here. Van the way to, to attack Vancouver, their penalty kills and very, very good. So, um, oh boy, now we're talking about Alfredo sauce on the clams. I'm going to kick it to Cliffy. I need to take a sip of water. I like Rangers too. Rangers power play Vancouver one. <laughs> okay. I, like, I don't have any, <laughs> I don't have any grand opinions on Alfredo sauce. So I'll leave that to you. Um, I want to start with the special teams first because something that uh, we were literally just talking about in our Discord about 30 minutes ago. I'm not sure if you saw that, but the Vancouver penalty kill has gotten a lot better over like the last six weeks. It's basically since they traded for uh, Nikita Zadorov. He's been basically like the second defense, you know, second defenseman, third defenseman out the door on the penalty kill, and they've been really good with him on the PK. Uh, that's certainly helped out Vancouver's penalty kill quite a bit. And the other thing is, is Vancouver's not really taking a lot of penalties either. Like they were taking a lot of penalties earlier in the season. Um, over the last two months, fourth fewest power play opportunities given to the opponent per game, under three per game. So this is a team whose penalty kill has gotten a lot better over the last five, six weeks. This is a team that's not, that hasn't been taking a lot of penalties over the last eight weeks. And Zadorov is back in the lineup tonight after missing their last game. Um, I do I, like the Rangers power play is good enough where there's not a matchup that will necessarily terrify me. But when you're looking at a short slate like this and where you can basically go anywhere as you want. Like there's a couple under own spots, a couple over own, but there's nothing really egregious either way as far as ownership goes. Um, it doesn't really make me want to play the Rangers that much. What I will say is that the Rangers second line has been tremendous and they've been getting more ice time. 
like Chotek and Panarin have always, have all, like almost always gotten a lot of ice time, but Artemi Panarin over the last couple of weeks has been like 18 minutes a game. Like there are games where he'll play more than anybody on the top line, and and Lafreniere is not even on the top power on the top power play. So like that Rangers second line is getting a ton of usage. They're getting some shutdown matchups, which actually might work to their benefit because I think with the Vancouver current setup, like their middle six is actually isn't bad defensively, more or less because they play a slog. It's not like they're great defensively. They just don't play a very high pace. And the Vancouver top line is different in that sense. So like, I'm fine with playing the Rangers here. Like there's not, you know, a tremendous amount of ownership. Um, as I was just talking about um, 13 and a half percent for the second line, 7.4% for the top line, um, you know, a little positive leverage for the second line, a little bit of negative leverage for the first line. I'm fine with playing them here tonight, but I think I'm like, I'm kind of with you that I'm on the Vancouver side here. The one thing that worries me about Vancouver is their power play has been like just flat out bad for a while now. Um, The last six weeks under eight goals per 60 minutes at five on five, like that's approaching like Montreal Canadiens territory. (laughs) You know what I mean? Just to kind of slander my own team. Um, and even Montreal has been better than that um, over the last month. So the Vancouver power play getting worse is worrisome. And on top of that, I was, I've was i been noticing Quinn Hughes has actually been shooting a lot less. His last 15 games, his shot attempts per minute have gone down 25%. And like 15 games, like we're talking a sample going back to November um, or right at the start of December. Like it's been a while now. So I'm worried about the Vancouver power play, but that top line is so good. Like, you know, Pedersen and JT Miller haven't played a lot together over the last couple seasons. Um, they played a lot together, you know, three, four years ago. But just in the last couple seasons, like 80 shot attempts per 60 minutes in their time, in their limited time together. Like, I think it's a little over 60 minutes together. Um, five Over five goals per 60 minutes. Like, there's not a matchup on the side of the Rangers that would worry me defensively where I would not want to play the Vancouver top line. So I think it's Vancouver one that I like best in this game. And you were talking about their ownership 1.9% per the top stacks tool and, and 15% uh, overall top two stack percentage are coming in as the number five line by top two percentage on the night. And there's almost no ownership on them whatsoever if Vancouver does get to like three, four, five goals here tonight, you gotta figure those guys are gonna are gonna figure heavily into that. So Vancouver one is actually one of my favorite stacks on the slate here tonight. Um, you know, the thing about this slate is there are a lot of expensive lines. Colorado, Vancouver, obviously Pittsburgh, that Rangers second line isn't cheap. Depending what you do with Boston, you can make like an expensive power play stack or something like that. Uh, same thing with Dallas if you leave their their normal power play guys together. So there are a lot of expensive spots you can go to for a short slate, and that's why I kind of like Vancouver one because, like, even the second line, which has been, pr- like, pretty good defensively, it's not a line that necessarily worries me uh, when you consider how good that Vancouver top line is. Uh, Vancouver two, I don't have so much interest in. Uh, Kuzmenko sucks, man. Like, <laughs> you were mentioning it. Like, I, I said it on the last show. I... That extension made no sense to me. I don't know why everybody was so high on him. Like, everybody looks good playing next to Elias Pedersen. That's why they can move up just about anybody. That's why Sam Lafferty was playing there for like a month. It's because Pedersen can make anybody look good. Um, 
it is that Vancouver third line that I don't mind as a filler stack. They've been really, really good basically all season, but their last 10 games, 2.9 expected goals for 1.6 against only playing 14 to 15 minutes a night, but they're going to go up against, you know, probably the, uh, the Rangers third line, maybe even the Rangers top line at times. And neither of those are, are, are good defensive lines. So if you want to go with a filler, I think a couple parts of from the that Vancouver third line, you know, two men of like Garland and Bluger, um, you know, Garland and Joshua, Dakota Joshua, like you're talking about his playmaking again this year, scoring chance assists, which are helpers on teammate scoring chances um, above average, which is like you just certainly wouldn't expect that from a Vancouver third line winger. Um, so I don't mind Vancouver three as a filler stack, but it is Vancouver one that I like best in this game. Rangers two, perfectly fine. Um, they're good enough to you know, torch anybody. Uh, but I think just considering how low the ownership is on that Vancouver top trio, I want, I, I'm tempted to go to them again here tonight. Me too. I like playing them. I uh, played them in the live final. They let me down. They the North remembers. <laughs> um, 36th place champion, by the way. There was only 40 people in that contest. No, 32nd. Either way, I suck. Pittsburgh Penguins with a 3.3 total. Heading into Philadelphia. That, like, I, I always say what going into Long Island sucks. Going into Philadelphia pretty much sucks, too. But, like, the Flyers have a 3.1. This is an interesting game. Like, the Flyers are a good team. And it feels weird to say those words out loud. But they are. And, like, the ownership in this game reflects that. The Tippett Ackerson Lawton line, like you you had a nice little nugget about Tippett this morning, which I'll let you talk about. That line's coming in an 18.5% projected. That's a that's a lot, <laughs> even on a four game, or it's a third line or a second line, depending how you really look at them. It's a middle six line. I like Philadelphia one here, though. I know. Uh, Pittsburgh one has been better with Raquel defensively, but like Katoria Konechny, they're they're a, they're a wagon man. Like Konechny is so good. He's finally finally getting a center that he plays with, and Torts doesn't move him. I think that was like that's that was an issue with for him last season. He probably played with like thirty eight different centers. He played with the Pepsi vendor from Section three hundred nine. I mean, but I, to, I don't want to defend towards too much here, but like Couturier was hurt last year. That team was effing terrible. Like it was basically they had to move Konechny everywhere because he was the only player really doing anything. Like, he had to get, you know, it's like, you know, uh, Morgan Frost isn't playing well. Go put TK there. You know, Scott Lawton, you know, he needs a little boost. Go put Konechny there because they had no one else to use. Yeah, but like this Couturier, Konechny, Farabee line, like I like Joel Farabee. I like that line. I know Raquel has made that top line good. I'm not a big believer in uh, the Pittsburgh goaltending. It is Nadelkovich uh, tonight, but I like Philadelphia one here. They have a tiny bit of negative leverage, but like they're 16-5. A tiny bit of negative leverage for a line that's a little bit more expensive than a filler. Perfectly fine by me. That tippet line with that ownership worries me a bit, but like Pittsburgh – I don't know. Like, it depends. I, I don't know the line matching well enough, and I'll let you talk about it. But, like, I don't know if the Pittsburgh depth is something I want to spend 18.5% of, uh, like, 
I don't know what I'm trying to say. The ownership is high. Don't love the matchup. I'm going to Philly one here. On the Pittsburgh side, like, there is positive leverage on Pitt one here, and they have been very good with Raquel. But this is an awful power play matchup. And, yeah, the Pittsburgh power play has gotten better, but, like, it's still not rolling. You know I mean? It's better with Raquel, but this is a brutal, brutal matchup. Five-on-five power play. I think, you know, if you want to get there in MME, that's fine. But I honestly, like, Pittsburgh 2, I think, is fine. But really, in this game, this is a Flyers 1 game for me. Yeah, I, I'll i start on the Pittsburgh side because there hasn't been a morning skate today. I haven't seen any line combinations. And that's important because they lost 3-1 to Buffalo on Saturday. And they booted Riley Smith off the second line for, I think, the first time all season. Um, maybe he had a game or two with Crosby, but I think it's the first time all season Riley Smith and, and Malkin were broken up. They moved Drew O'Connor up to the second line um, for Pittsburgh. And the reason I mention that is because like Ryan or Riley Smith isn't really having that great of a season. Like I think there's a, there's, they're really like hesitant to, you know, move players uh, around the lines, especially the top two. So, you know, Smith being moved off was, is pretty notable. Like, he hasn't been bad, and some of his underlying metrics, like his playmaking metrics are still good. Um, shot metrics are fine. Um, you know, he's been he's been good in the defensive zone, but him and Malkin just really haven't, you know, found that next level together. Now, Malkin and Rust uh, certainly played very well, you know, the previous couple seasons. Uh, Rust has been mostly on the top line this year, but he was on the second line. So the reason I bring that up is because, Riley Smith is fairly cheap, but Drew O'Connor's under 3K on DraftKings, and it's a $600 difference. And it's just one of those things that could help you um, afford a you know a better defenseman, you know a quote better goalie unquote. Even though much of that exists on this slate, um, so it's just something to to, to kind of watch for uh, here in this game because you know we could get surprised with some new line combinations at warmups. That's why I always say uh, pay attention uh, to warmups. Now. One thing I will say is that uh, Drew O'Connor is typically a worse defensive player um, than Riley Smith is. And I think it would make the second line worse defensively, which would help out that Flyers middle six. Because, you know, you'll see Couturier go out uh, against uh, against Crosby. And, you know, then you get that, you know, um, Atkinson and Tippett uh, playing together. And Atkinson and Tippett haven't really been that great. But the third line kind of has like Frost and Forster don't have bad offensive numbers together. They're just, you know, kind of slow, slow, lower pace. So I think it would be a good matchup against Malkin. But then the third line would certainly be very good because Lars Eller, he's having a pretty underrated season. And him and Pustinen um, down on the third line, uh, really creating a lot of offense. So. I think this is a case where I would skip over Pitt too because I'm not sure O'Connor over Smith is a big um, offensive upgrade. I think it's a little bit of a defensive upgrade, but Pitt three is kind of generating almost at will. It's actually crazy. Eller and Pustinen up to about 50 minutes together, 77 shot attempts uh, per 60 minutes. Eller has 16 shots in his last six games. This is a guy that doesn't play the power play and gets genuine third line minutes. Um, They've been pretty good offensively together. That Philly middle six, like there's nothing I'm worried about defensively, whether it is um, that tippet line, whether it is the frost line, like there is nothing I'm worried about defensively at five on five. So 
I don't mind pit three as one of the fillers here tonight. Um, they're coming in with negative leverage, but like, I don't think you have to use all three, just, you know, use Smith and Eller or Smith and, or Eller and Pustin. And if they are together again, pay attention to warm up. So I don't mind pit three here. Pittsburgh one. I, I, I just, I don't I, think, I, sorry, were you saying something or is that maybe it just might've been feedback. I don't know. Um, but the Philly top line, um, has been really good defensively basically all season. You talked about how good the penalty kill has been. It has been great. Um, I think I would rather just kind of build, if I'm playing a single entry, I'd rather just build a lineup with a, a Vancouver line that's $2,000 more expensive than play this Pittsburgh top line in this matchup. That's just kind of what I'm getting at. So I think I like the Pittsburgh depth better here uh, than the Pittsburgh top guys, uh, especially with the way that Flyers penalty kill has been basically all season long. Now, on the Philly side, uh, you're right. Uh, Konechny and Farabee have been really, really good together. Like Konechny's just straight up been one of the best offensive wingers in the league. The reason his raw, his production hasn't been great is the power play. Like the power play has been terrible. I think he has three power play points. <laughs> like there are guys that will put that up in a game and certainly in a week. And he has three power play points on the entire season. It's 100% towards his fault. Like he has guys in the wrong spots and then he mixes everything up. It drives me nuts because that power play can be good. They have the talent. Torch just sucks on the power play for whatever reason. Maybe they should do what Steve, what St. Louis did and hire Steve Ott to run the power play. Maybe that'll work. They can hire Haas to run the power play. It'd be better than Tortorella. Um, anyways, uh, that Philly top line has been very, very good. Now, they're coming in with a little bit high ownership. It's nothing extreme. 12.3% against 11.6% top two stack percentage. Um, but the note here is that Philly's also been drawing more power plays of late. Like, they have the eighth most power play opportunities per game in the league over the last uh, eight weeks. So they're getting a lot more power play opportunities. Agor Zamula is on the top power play unit now. Funny enough, I was looking at their power play numbers. Um, and with Zamula, Konechny, and Couturier on the ice, they're generating 76 shots per 60 minutes on the power play. And with any other defenseman except for Zamula, it's 54. So they're generating... They're actually generating like 40% more shots with Zamula. And he does have good playmaking numbers at five on five. Like we laugh. I mean, now, he's, he's bad defensively, which is why, which is the reason why Torts is playing him on the third pair and sometimes even healthy scratching him. But maybe he's the guy that they kind of needed to run the, run the blue line uh, on the power play. So I do like Philly one, Konechny, uh, Couturier, uh, and Faraby. Um, you know, the ownership is nothing extreme on them. Um, with Zamula running the top power play, it adds a pretty cheap power play defenseman you can use with them. All three Flyers guys uh, on the top power play unit as well. So I do like Philly one uh, quite a bit here. If you want to go to the Philly depth, um, you know, no issues there. I think I would probably play the Atkinson tip at Lawton line, even with as much ownership as they have coming in. Maybe Bobby Brink has a has a fire lit under him after being benched in their last game. But with Philly drawing more power plays, with the power play generating a lot more with Zamula back there, um, with the ownership really nothing too extreme. And, you know, Philly has a 3.1 total. It's not nothing. It's the same as Boston. It's higher than Vancouver we just talked about. It's higher than Minnesota we're going to talk about next. So, uh, Konechny, Couturier, Farabee uh, is what I like best in this game. 
Um, on the pit side, I think I'm more into their depth forwards than their top forwards. Yeah, not not huge on pit one here. Brutal matchup. It's weird talking about Philly like actually wanting to play him. Like, remember at the beginning of the season, we we're like, I can't believe it's a Philly night, and now it's just like it's a Philly night. And know? and we we're just talking on the last show how there's not really a matchup um, where you're like, yeah, I don't like with with Patrice Bergeron was still playing. We're like, no, nah, I'm not going to play anybody's matched up against Bergeron. <laughs> Not quite there with Philly yet, but man, it's not far off where I'm like, no, I don't want to match up against this penalty kill and against Sean Couturier. The only reason I didn't say that was because like we would say that and then Torts is going to mix up his lines and he's going to put together a bad defensive line. Yeah, Scott team. Lawton on the top line, yeah. Couturier 3C or something. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Just like, come on, Torts. As we mentioned off the top, uh, thank you for the support. Uh, we now get paid through our affiliate link. It's kind of a big week for us. Uh, because a lot of you guys are subs and a lot of you guys, uh, you know, have monthly memberships and the season started on the 10th. So monthly memberships are going to be coming up. And if you have them on auto renew, I would just uh, take a minute and click off that cancel it. And on the day you renew, go through our affiliate link. It helps us out directly. It takes 47 seconds of your time, three and a half minutes. If you're incompetent like me, and go through the affiliate link and just re-up through the affiliate link. I will share it in the chat at some point uh, today. Um, it is, if you are a member already, it is in the pinned comments in our Discord. So I appreciate you guys doing that. And what do you get with it? If you're already a member, you already know, but you get player and ownership projections, the top stacks tools, you get line combinations, you get access to the Discord, you get... Uh, bi-monthly frostbacks goalie fade of the night it's the goalies who he plays very easily to fade he had uh two nights where he was on fire i think he's gonna get back to it he's due he's due for a good goalie pick tonight it's gonna be tonight i have faith in you my guy but uh thoughts on the dallas stars money line we're getting to that game no need to yell in your cap caps locks but we will get there um yeah, you can pick skaters against his goalies too. It's an elite play. Like it's a print factory. I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, uh, he takes he takes the brunt of my my heat now that Hoss has disappeared. Uh, but it's okay. He can handle it. Uh, Dallas Stars with a 3.4 total heading into Minnesota. The Wild have a three total. Wild have the lowest home total of the night. It is Matt Murray for the Stars, not that Matt Murray. Not the Matt Murray that the Leafs yeeted to Robodias Island to, you know, make room for that Nylander extension. Like, honestly, if you're in this chat right now and you've played hockey before, lace them up, man. Start skating. You could be on the third pair of the Leafs defense line, like the blue line next year. Like, they're going to have no money for goalies and defensemen. It's going to be awesome. But anyway, getting to this game, Matt Murray doesn't have the best AHL numbers, but like Wedgwood has been me. So like they have to give him a shot. Now, no surprise that Rossi, Boldy, Zuccarello are coming in with negative leverage. Uh, they had a good game against Columbus. The thing was like they did all of their damage on the power play. Columbus penalty kill, just not it, man. Uh, Dallas's penalty kill is pretty good. The thing is, like, it, it, Matt Murray's kind of an unknown. 
I, I get why there's so much ownership. They're only 15-8. You know what I mean? You can fit them with almost anybody if you punt goalie and defenseman. I'm fine with it. Like, it, it doesn't feel great taking a ne- negatively leveraged line without cappers off there, but they are fully correlated. Dallas really kind of threw their lines into a blender. And there is no confirmation on what they're going to do tonight. So that's an issue. They moved Evgeny Dadinov to the top line with Hinson Robertson, and they basically just flip-flopped him with Pavelski. Pavelski's on the third line with Wyatt Johnson and Jamie Benn. Matt Duchesne, Sagan, Marchman still together. I mean, that's how they ended the last game. Now, they also went away from the five-forward power play pretty quickly. Um, you saw Harley up there, and he got a power play point. <laughs> Shocker. But, like, it is it is kind of important for this game because, like, Pavelski, Wyatt Johnson, Jamie Ben is something I'd probably be interested in because they're going to avoid Joel Erickson Eck. They're going to get a decent five-on-five matchup. Pavelski and Ben are on the top power play. The Minnesota penalty kill is terrible. The numbers with uh, Marc-Andre Fleur, he, he went nuts in the last game, by the way. He made some unreal saves. But, like, his numbers on the penalty kill, way worse than Gustafsson. We'll have to wait and see on the lines because that's important here because, you know, if like, if I had to guess what Pete DeBoer is going to do, he's probably just going to go back to the lines he started the last game with. Like, if it is Pavelski, White, Johnson, Jamie, Ben in warm-ups, that's something I'm interested in. Duchesne, Sagan, Marchment, I'm interested in. Hints, Robertson, Dadnoff, I don't know, because they're going to see Erickson, Eck, Hartman. And, yeah, it's not Erickson, Eck, uh, Felino, Greenway from a few years ago, but Erickson, Eck, Hartman, pretty good defensive numbers together. So it would be the Dallas depth. On the Minnesota side, I get going to that top line. So, like, I'm not going to tell you not to play them. They have a good price. They have a lot of ownership, but they're facing a goalie with question marks. Jarek, Snack, Hartman, Marcus Johansson at 16% ownership. Like, I'd rather just go to the top line. They're similarly priced. Just give me that top line. Yeah, I'm kind of at a loss of what to do with Dallas because we don't have confirmation on on Dodonov being on the top line. Um, That's what they did. I think it was after the first period of the last game, like he spent the second half of the game um, on the top line. That would be kind of a bad beat for the top line. I'm going to be honest, because like we've been talking about how they probably needed to move like Joe Pavelski off that um, top line. That's probably the worst winger to put up there. (laughs) Like um, there's a good argument to to be made um, that the Donoff has been the worst top nine forward um, that Dallas has had this season. Um, his, uh, expected goals for playing, uh, play driving numbers, uh, third worst on the team, um, right next to Pavelski actually, uh, he's not helping create anything offensively, which is kind of a problem because that has been the issue with the top line. The bigger issue is like, as the Donoff has gotten older, he's basically just turned into like an Ivan Barbashev that doesn't hit. I feel bad, like kind of comparing um, similar nationalities. Probably shouldn't do that, but uh, Dodonov was a guy that 
he was a passer. He that's that's kind of what he's always been known for, and his playmaking numbers have been atrocious this year. Um, over one standard deviation below the league average in scoring chance assists, which means which is like a fourth line rate. He's basically been a fourth liner by scoring chance assists, and it's like if he's not setting up his teammates for good scoring chances, there's nothing else that he does well. You know what I mean? Like that's kind of the problem. Um, and the other problem is if you put him on the top line, if you stack the top line and then, you know, we see warmups and Pavelski's up there, you're kind of boned because half the slate is already locked and you only have one, one other game to pick from. Like, I, I think you'd be, if you want to play the top line, I think you'd be fine just going back to Robertson hints Pavelski. And then if it is something different, like the Boston top line, isn't that much cheaper than them. I think it's like 800 or $600 cheaper than, than the old Dallas one. So you could straight swap to Boston. Um, if some, if, you know, if you needed to, which is kind of the problem with Dallas is like, you know, the difference between, uh, Pavelski and the Donoff, uh, by price is fairly hefty, um, over 33, it's 3,300 on DraftKings. So like there aren't a lot of easy swaps to make. Um, and I really don't have a lot of faith in that top line with the Donoff there. Like, listen, man, like it's hockey, anything can happen in one game. It's just, if the Donoff were there for 82 games in this specific situation, how often would I play him um, on that top line going against Joel Erickson Eck? And it's honestly not very often. So uh, like, I don't have a lot of interest in Dallas one. I think I kind of agree with you on Dallas three um, Pavelski, Johnston and Ben. What I was looking at earlier is that Johnston and Ben have kind of been the inverse of each other where Ben has pretty good playmaking numbers this year, believe it or not, uh, but his shot rate isn't very high, whereas Johnson's been shooting a lot uh, a lot more, but his playmaking numbers are kind of worse. So it's actually, I think they're complementing each other well in that way. And as you said, you still get two out of the three guys on the top power play unit um, if you do uh, go with that stack. At 14,700, um, like there, if you need to swap at, you know, at warmups, there are lines on Minnesota you can swap to. There are, you know, second line from Boston I think you can swap to. Um, so I, I think I agree with you. It's Pavelski, Johnson, and Ben uh, that I do like in this game. Uh, in the 70 minutes, like that that Dallas third line has actually played 70 minutes without Dodonoff this year. 3.2 expected goals per 60 minutes of 5-on-5. Five five. That is really, really good offense. Um so I do like Pavelski, Johnson, and Ben on that side. You know, if you want to go to, go back to Old Faithful, Duchesne, Sagan, Marchment, uh, no real issue with that. Um, but I think it's Pavelski, Johnson, and Ben I like because, you know, the Minnesota penalty kill is still not getting a lot better. They're like, in fact, where the goaltending was saving them, it, it hasn't been lately, um, especially with Gustafson hurt. So, uh, yeah, Pavelski, Johnson, and Ben on the Dallas side. On the Minnesota side, like losing Haskinen is big for Dallas because he's he's you know he's by far their best defenseman, um, so it should make things a little bit easier defensively. The thing is, is like Dallas doesn't give up a lot of um, power play opportunities to the opponent. Like I think it's like the fifth lowest power play opportunities given to the opponent per game, and then you have to go and beat them all at five on five, and then they're all coming in with negative leverage, like. None of these Minnesota lines have good numbers together. I was looking for uh, numbers with Boldy and Rossi without Kirill Kaprizov. 47 shot attempts per 60 minutes of 5-on-5. Um, Eriksson Ek and Marcus Johansson without Marcus Boldy. 
1.9 expected goals per 60 minutes of five on five. Like these are all bad offensive numbers. So I think these are bad offensive lines in a matchup where they're probably not going to get a lot of power plays, um, even without Haskin and that, and, and they're all coming in with negative leverage on the top two stacks, as you were talking about, 20% on that Boldy line, over 15% on that Erickson Eck line. Heck, even Maroon Gojo and Marcus Felino's in tonight, and even those three are going to come in over-owned. So, like, over-owned, not a good power play spot. The lines themselves aren't really generating a lot, even with Haskin and out. Like, I don't – if you're playing you – know, obviously, if you're only playing one or three lineups or whatever, there are lines are going to have to cut. And I think an over-owned Minnesota line with a three total is one of the sides that I would cut. So, uh, it is the Johnson line I bet I like best on the Dallas side. Just in general, I think I would rather play Dallas than Minnesota here tonight. Yeah, I'm in agreement there. We have a $20 super chat from Doug Weissman. Thank you very much. Cliffy Harris, 2024, you two are the best. Found our campaign manager. Now you need to figure out how we can run a ticket with us living in different countries and what country are we running. But thank you for the super chat. Yeah, I don't think I'll be able to run for president being a Canadian citizen, but I could run for governor somewhere, uh, pull a Schwarzenegger or something. Maybe I'll go run Cal- – me and I'll go run California or something. I don't want to run California. That's going to fall into the ocean before we know it. Well, we got to stop it, man. <laughs> All right. We're on it. All my family lives in California, so, yeah. Go smart, smoke some cigars with the governor. Yeah. Johnson line, the new Duchesne line. They're the old Duchesne line. They were the line last year. Duchesne, yeah, they're, like, they're, they're Duchesne Prime, I guess. Yeah. 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 But thank you for the super chat. <clears throat> Woo! Boston Bruins with a 3.1 total heading into Colorado. The Avs have a 3.3. Artari Lekin was skating a practice in a regular jersey. He is not in tonight. <laughs> Miles Morningwood will not be rising up tonight. He is out tonight. Poor Buddha. Uh, they're going with McKinnon, Rant, and Drewen, Nishushkin, Colton, O'Connor, and then who cares? Uh, Boston going with normal top six. Frederick, who cannot stop scoring, is back from the World Juniors, I believe. Um, and Danton Heine. Interesting game here. Huge top two stack percentage for Colorado. Not really surprising. Like, it doesn't matter who's with McKinnon and Ranton, and they're just pulling 40% on these short sites like it's their job. They are the line with the most positive leverage on the slate, too, even though they're coming in at 23.9% projected ownership. Like, I, I get it. Like, I don't even mind them at that ownership because Pasternak, Zaka, Geeky, not exactly it defensively. Boston goaltending has been sliding a bit. Like, they go, like, there's ebbs and flows of a season. Like, yeah, there's been two high-scoring games against Boston goaltending, but generally all season they've been very good. This this is good for Colorado one there, though, at a five-on-five. Five. So I like Colorado one. Again, Boston one. I'm running into this geeky conundrum. Um, I like him, but like, do I though? Like. Like, I don't mind playing him in DFS because he's generally been cheap and he's been on the power play, but, like, he is laying down that line. I think Pasternak is a great one-off here tonight. I think you can – like, the thing is, like, Colorado takes a boatload of penalties. 
So I think doing some sort of Boston power play stack is the way to do that. So like, I guess geekies and like, it's, I don't know, man. I'm a Morgan Geeky's brother fan. We'll leave it at that. Uh, so yeah, like I think Boston Power Play is a good play here. I like Colorado one. Don't even mind Colorado two. Like Nishuskin's on the top power play. I'm a big fan of Colton. I like Logan O'Connor. Uh, so I, I think you can use Colorado two as a filler here tonight. But Colorado one's my favorite line in this game. It's not really surprising. Yeah, I, I mean, I do like Colorado one. What worries me is like, I'm not, I know, don't get me wrong. I know Jonathan Drouin has been like on an unbelievable heater uh, very recently, but he's, there aren't a lot of like great underlying numbers for him this year. You know what I mean? Like obviously his playmaking numbers are really good. That's typically what he's known for. Um, but he's not really doing, you know, he's not carrying the puck. Uh, in transition, you know, he's not creating a ton uh, off the rush, which is always a concern. Uh, his play driving numbers really aren't that great, like a little bit above average uh, offensively and defensively, but there are a lot of Colorado forwards much better than him. So I'm running into this problem where Colorado one um, is coming in at 24% ownership and Vancouver one at a virtually identical price is coming in at 2% ownership. Like on a slate this small, like I think ownership is kind of overrated for this reason is like, there's not enough that happens in all the games to give a ton of multiple paths to victory, right? Like if Nathan McKinnon has a hat trick and a four point game and nine shots or something like that, you either have Nathan McKinnon or you don't. And it'll, that'll lead you to cashing or not. Right. Whereas he could have a hat trick on an 11 game slate, but there's two other hat tricks in other games um, that can kind of help balance that out. That's not really the case uh, on a four gamer. You'd have to have a, you know, at least two other games go bananas offensively. So like, I'm fine playing Colorado one, but if absolutely nobody is going to play Vancouver at a virtually identical price, like I think that's why I just kind of rather play Vancouver. So like, yeah, I have no problem playing Colorado in a nutshell. Like I don't even think the matchup against Boston one is really that bad. Um, but I think it's, it's, it, I, I would kind of rather play Vancouver. It, it's Colorado too, that I do like better. Um, you were talking about, uh, Ross Colton. Uh, he's having a very good season. Uh, he's, uh, creating a lot of shots, a lot of good scoring chances. Um, creating a, a lot offensively problem is he hasn't had a lot of people to play with, especially, you know, miles Wood. I think is questionable tonight. Obviously, he's up on the second line with Logan O'Connor. Logan O'Connor's having a very good season. He's top 10 by play driving numbers in the league. Like, right ahead of him is Nathan McKinnon, and right behind him is Connor McDavid. Now, obviously, Logan O'Connor doesn't have the same skill as those guys anywhere close, which is why the, the goals for numbers aren't great. But him and Colton have been pretty good together, and Natushkin is probably the best winger that they played with all season. Um, I agree with you. I do like Colorado, too, here as a filler, even if they come in at 7 8%. Uh, whatever it is. Uh, my one sticking point is this, is Boston has been amongst the most penalized teams in the league uh, over the last couple months. They're giving up four power plays per game and Colorado's draws amongst the most power plays per game and their power play with the current setup has just been elite. So like even against a pretty good Boston penalty kill, I, I, I think they could, 
they could still score a couple times on, on four power play opportunities. So that's the one thing that that's making me a little bit hesitant, but I do like Colorado too. On the Boston side, like I'm struggling with these line combinations because like even when they 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 scored what seven goals in that in that game on Saturday, Pavel Zaka had one assist and two shots. Like that's just kind of it. You know what I mean? Um, it was their depth guys that did uh, a lot more damage. Um, I think I would probably go to Boston too as well. That Coil Marchand uh, DeBrusque uh, line, fifty-eight shot attempts per sixty minutes um, over the last four weeks together. Uh, DeBrusque actually has really, really good playmaking numbers this year, which is something that he he's had sometimes, but certainly not um, this high. Uh, they're creating a reasonable amount of shots. They're they're creating like five shots per game over the last 12 games as a line, which does, doesn't sound like a lot. But when you're a second line, only one guy uh, on the top power play unit, it's actually not bad. So I think it's both second lines that I like best in this game, even though it does look like a good power play spot on both sides. Yeah, I mean... If these Boston lines were a bit better, I would like them more. I just, I don't like how they're set up. That is the Ford Gamer. Can you hear me all right? My internet's doing some weird stuff. Yeah, I can. I can. Um, a little fuzzy, but, uh, you know, nothing you wouldn't look like after I've had about seven or eight beers. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and then tomorrow's going to be 40 to 60 mile an hour wind gusts, so... <laughs> Hang on to my internet, please. Hang on. Uh, that is the four gamer. Let's talk a little bit about defensemen. Yay, defensemen. I guess, like, the thing is, people are going to ask about Rock Faber, and he got cheaper. He got cheaper. He is 4,100 tonight. He played 30 minutes last game, it was overtime. Uh, 32 DK points. Like, he's fine. He's fine for his role. It just it just drives me nuts that people expect this every time. Like, the points are going to be there. What's not going to be there is, like, every night you're not going to see him have a combo meal. He just, historically, even in the minors, he just hasn't been a high-volume shooter. At 4,100, I think he's fine, right? I think Thomas Harley's ceiling is higher than Brock Faber's tonight, so... I think you can go to Harley as a nice pivot there. Um, the expensive guys, like Kel McCarr, like what are you what are you saying here? Like Kel McCarr, Charlie McAvoy, like the third most expensive defenseman on the slate is Charlie McAvoy, fifty eight hundred, and Kel McCarr's eighty two hundred. So like, I feel like Kel McCarr is going to come in pretty low owned because people are going to try to jam in like expensive players. I think Kel McCarr makes a good play. Who are you liking? Yeah, Makar amongst the expensive guys. I'm struggling with Hughes because he's still priced up where he was basically since like the first month of the season. Um, and like I said earlier, he's shooting a lot less than he was earlier this season. That's that's kind of a problem for me. Uh, I don't think I would necessarily want off him. It feels like if Quinn Hughes goes off, it's not going to be with peripherals. It's going to be with points. And if he goes off with points... It's probably because the top line goes off as well. So not super high uh, on Jack Hughes, or sorry, Quinn Hughes. Um, McCarr is the only expensive guy. Like Harley and Faber are the top two in that mid-price range for me. Um, 
it's just, you know, Faber's going to carry a lot of ownership. And, if, you know, if he doesn't put up three assists like he did last game, I think, you know, it's, it's not a bad, terrible idea to fade him. Uh, Chris Letang has been playing more minutes than Eric Carlson has been. And Carlson's on the top power play unit. And again, this is not a good power play spot for Pittsburgh. So I think going to Letang is fine. Uh, Jacob Truba actually has like good scoring chance creation numbers this year, which um, maybe he's trying to help them generate, uh, you know, especially when Fox is hurt, but try to generate when Fox is off the ice, which is nice. And uh, he's projecting well, so I don't mind Truba. The like 3,000 to like 4,500 range on DraftKings, I'm not a big fan of tonight. Like Marcus Pedersen, sure. Keandre Miller is fine. Carson Soucy back in the lineup for Vancouver, like he's okay. But it's actually like the punk guys I like better. Like Nikita Zadorov is back in for Vancouver. He's 2,500 on DK. I like uh, him for block shots here tonight. Um, Yanni Hockenpah playing more minutes uh, for Dallas, obviously, with Haskin and out. Don't mind him. Um, Igor Zamula, obviously, running the top power play unit, 2,600. Don't mind him. Like there are a handful of guys under that 3K threshold that I don't mind here tonight, which is nice because there are a lot of expensive, a lot of expensive forwards I want to use. Yeah. Zimula is the one I circled. Like he's normally playing about 14 minutes a night, but the other game, the other night he played 20. So if he gets like 16, 17 running that top power play at 2,600, like you can't really ask for much more out of towards for that. Let's talk about some goalies, even though I don't want to, I will just tell you, Igor Shosturkin is the most expensive on the board tonight. And judging by Vancouver 1's projected ownership, he's probably going to be the most popular goalie here tonight. He's fine. Don't get me wrong. Like, he's fine. I don't love spending up above AK. I think Yorgiev's fine. I know Yorgiev has been a bit rough uh, recently, but I do like Yorgiev here tonight. Matt Murray's a question mark. Like, if you think Dallas is going to win. Like, Minnesota has the lowest total on the slate tied with Vancouver, but Minnesota's home. Like, so Matt Murray, by default, could be popular in cash game. Like, I, I don't know how people pick the cash games goalies if you aren't really, like, tuned into hockey. You know what I mean? Like, so, like, I think Matt Murray's fine. Don't love Nedeljkovic here. I do like Carter Hart, and I don't mind Thatcher Demko. I also don't mind whoever's starting for Boston. Like, I think there isn't a goalie. I'll say this for a four-gamer. There isn't a goalie that I'm going to X out if I was playing 150. Like, sometimes they're all. Like, 8,600 Martin Jones. Like, <laughs> get out of my pool. But, like, there isn't a goalie that's starting here tonight that I don't think you need to X out of your pool. Um, I'll dispute that. I X'd out Marc-Andre Fleury immediately. That's the one, after... name. <laughs> That's the one name I'll be like. Mm. And, and and it sucks because it feels like uh, I, we we have to put him on the slander list now. Like this, it feels like a 31 safe shutout incoming now. But Fleury is the, is the one guy that I marked off. It's just that penalty kill is so bad. And the Dallas power play is typically so good that I don't want anything to do uh, with Fleury. Funny you mentioned Shesterkin. His ownership is actually projecting at only eight and eight and a half percent here tonight. I think it's kind of a shot volume problem, shot volume slash price problem. But the two goalies that I had are the goalies in the Pittsburgh Philly game. Now they look like they'll be the two highest owned goalies tonight, Hart and Delkovich. Uh, but both penalty kills have generally been very, very good. And as long as there's a good penalty kill in front of a goalie, 
could just be a lot of five on five and even strength shots. And, you know, if a goalie gets lit up for like five even strength goals, it's like, man, that sucks, whatever. Um, but it just could be a lot of easier shot volume for those two goalies. So it's the two goalies in the pit Philly game um, that I like best. Other than that, uh, it would be, uh, I think it's, it's Allmark's turn to start tonight, if I'm not mistaken, for um, Boston. No, Allmark started on, on Saturday. So it's Swayman uh, here tonight. So I don't mind Swayman either. Um, it's just a better power play matchup for Colorado. That makes me a little bit nervous. Yeah. Who are you liking for your hat trick pick? Staying in Colorado, Boston, going with uh, one of my original fantasy hockey favorites from like a decade ago uh, when he was drafted, Valerie Nachushkin. I knew you were going there. I had him circled. If you didn't say it, I was going to say it. Um, let's see here. I got to – I have a heart bet on this guy. <laughs> Take it easy. Uh, I have a heart bet, heart feature on this guy. I'm going to Elias Patterson. Hey, could be a good night if uh, if that Vancouver top line does the thing again. We'll see. The last time I said stack against the Rangers, Igor went nuts. But we're going to try this again. And we will be back tomorrow for a nice big Tuesday slate. Thursday is that uh, special $111 GPP on DraftKings. We'll be back then as well. But hit up that uh, affiliate link. Thank you for all the support. And uh, thanks for hanging out with us on a four-gamer on a Monday, and good luck, everybody. Good luck tonight, everyone.